Well, good morning. I want to especially thank Kaya for that beautiful, beautiful time of worship. Doesn't she have a gorgeous voice? And I just love it when um, our worship people bring us to the throne room of God. And I want to thank her so much for that. In preparing for this study, um, I did read that the key to spiritual growth and personal fulfillment is found in this passage of scripture from 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm sure that we all want to grow spiritually and we all desire that personal fulfillment. So before we dig into the word, please join me in a time of prayer. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, so much for, um, for your Son, Jesus. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will enter now and open our eyes, open our hearts, so that we may clearly hear what you have to say for us today, Lord. You are our peace. You are, you are our contentment. And we can find it only in you, Lord. So I just pray that the weariness of the weak the weariness of the world, the troubles, the everything that we face would just melt away today and that we would just hear what you want us to hear and help me to um, speak your word, Lord. I just thank you and I praise you and I just want to glorify you in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning again. Our contentment is and should be grounded in our faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross of Calvary. It's our desire, of course, to be content in all situations. So we need for him to work in and through us continually, day by day, sometimes moment by moment. But unfortunately, through life, we do face a lot of trials. We face struggles. We face sorrow. We face pain. And we do face a lot of tribulation. And we ourselves cannot make ourselves content. So if we face these things daily, then how do we possess contentment in all situations? I want to first talk about some of the things that take away our contentment. And one of those is envy. And the dictionary says that envy is a feeling of discontent or a resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, luck, and I added blessings. What does the word tell us about envy? Well, I want to first look at the story found in Matthew. Uh, It's in Matthew 20. It's actually in verses 1 through 17. It's a parable. A parable is a simple story that uh, Jesus used to teach a moral or spiritual lesson. And those parables are found all through the Gospels. Jesus told of the workers who were asked by a man who owned a vineyard to work in his vineyard. All the workers were paid equally, even though he hired some in the morning, some in the afternoon, and some very late in the day. So it didn't matter when their shift began or how many hours they worked. So the ones hired early on who worked through the whole day, they started a grumbling complaint. They were not very happy. 
They said we should get paid more. We worked more. They wanted more money for their work. But in verse 15, uh, the master says, and we know who the master is, are you envious because I am generous? So we never know who's going to get the generous blessing and who's going to get the small blessing. But it's a lesson about God's great grace and his generosity. Do you ever become envious or resent God's gracious acceptance of someone who might be a despised sinner, an evildoer, say it's a murderer or a rapist or a thief, when they come to Jesus at the last possible moment of their lives? Hmm. And then there's something else. Are we envious or jealous of what God has blessed someone else with? You know, I have to admit that I found myself in those times once in a while where I do get envious. But you know what? When we let our contentment be overtaken by our envy, then we can't understand and we can't feel the contentment and the joy that God has blessed us with. Because God has shed his blood for us. We already have every gift and every blessing that we could ever imagine. And we don't want to get a hard heart. We don't want to allow roots of bitterness to grow. But that's what happens when we let envy take over, when we let jealousy lead our lives. Then contentment gets pushed aside, and we start to feel things that we shouldn't feel. So we need to sometimes stop in our day, in our life, and say, where is my heart? Where is your heart? 1 Corinthians 13, that's the love chapter. Everyone uses it at weddings and different times in their lives. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, there's a statement that says, love does not envy. And then in Romans and other places in the New Testament, and all actually throughout the Bible, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. If I am envious, am I loving my neighbor as myself? Exodus 20, verse 17. Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments, if you don't know. So uh, verse 17 is the tenth of the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet. Coveting is being envious enough to desire what our neighbor has, and then resenting the fact that we don't possess it. Well, girls, since God supplies all of our needs, we don't really need to be envious because God gives us what we need. So is what we're envious of a need or a want, a desire? Don't let those desires grow in your heart that are not of the Lord. I know it's not easy when we have little, and then especially when we see a non-believer or one of those Christians, you know what I'm talking about, the ones that kind of jump the fence, they're in and out of their faith. Well, sometimes they get blessed, and then we're in a, a state of suffering or a state of trial or a state of sorrow, and we wonder. But you know what? God knows best. So that's the time, but God. 
True contentment can only be found in him. Ephesians 5.3 tells us that we are God's holy people. We are set apart and we're called to a higher standing. We're called to be pure. We're called to not be greedy. And guess what? We're called to be content. Despite or because of our situation in this life. You know, when we don't have God, we do follow our own instincts and desires. Because this is the natural man. This is the natural woman. This is how, after the fall... And sin entered into the world. This is how we became. We are natural. We are flesh. But in order to be content, what do we need? We need God's help. We need to become more like Christ and grow in our spiritual lives. We need to love God first. And then we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. The more we love, the more content we become. The more we love, the more content we become. One could say that love begets contentment, while evil destroys it. Uh, Envy, I'm sorry, well, envy destroys it. Evil does too, but we were talking about envy. Contentment can also be eroded by our self-sufficiency and a self-sufficient attitude. (laughs) When we're acting out in a self-sufficient manner, we think that we're in control and we're able to handle everything all by ourselves. We don't need any aid. We don't need any other person. And we certainly don't need God. We have extreme confidence in our own ability. And as women, you know what? We often feel that we know best and only we can get it done right. You know, as a kid, my mom taught me a lot of chores. She worked outside the home. She was divorced, a single mom, and so she worked full-time, and so she needed help around the house. So she taught me these chores, but you know what? She found fault with everything I did. I'd vacuum the whole house, and she'd come home, and I'd be real happy that I did such a good job, and she'd say, you missed all the corners. You, You didn't do it right. And so, you know, after a while, I got very discouraged. And you know what happens when you get discouraged? You stop trying. I didn't care if I did a good job or not because apparently she was going to pick on me anyway. But you know what? I had a really godly aunt who stepped in and said to my mom, you know, you need to not just teach Jeanette the right way to do things, but you need to compliment her when she does it so she doesn't make the bed perfectly, so you can't bounce a quarter off of it. She did it. She's trying. You know, she's doing her best. And you know what? My mom finally did realize and started, um, she started to compliment me. She started to encourage me. And you know what that did to me? That made me work harder. That made me want to do it. That made me love her more. And I felt appreciated. And that's what we all need to feel. So we do need to encourage one another. And in that encouragement, we can then find that special time of contentment. And it really comes from being a good sister. And that's what we need to do. We need to lean on one another and we need to help one another. Some of us are good at one thing and some of us are good at something else. And deep in our hearts, we know that that's not my best thing. But hey, Susie over here, she knows how to do that right. I'm going to count on her to help me out. And you know what? We 
help each other out. And then when Susie has some kind of situation, she'll feel better about coming to me and helping me out. And actually asking me, hey, Jeanette, can you show me how to do this and not feel bad about it? You know, in Genesis 11, the people felt like they were pretty self-sufficient and they could do everything on their own. And they decided that they were so strong and they were so great that they would build a huge tower and they would reach heaven. And then when they reached heaven, guess what? They wouldn't need God anymore. Well, you know, God came down and he spoke and he said, let us, there you have the Trinity right in Genesis 11, let us teach them a lesson. So God scattered the people and taught them all different languages. And you know what? Today, even when we speak the same language, there are many times when we don't understand one another. So that's what we have to try to understand one another. Understanding and not self-sufficiency, leaning on other people and leaning on God, that also leads to contentment. In Luke, we hear the story about uh, the parable about the two people who went to the uh, temple to pray in chapter 18. This is another parable of Jesus where one man, he's the self-righteous, self-sufficient religious leader, and he just prays out loud to announce the good news of how holy he is and how great he is and how glad he is he's not a sinner. Well, guess what? There was another guy there, and he was very poor in spirit, and he was a tax collector, and he knew he was a sinner. So he just bowed his head and prayed in his heart, Lord, forgive me. And guess what? At the end of that parable, Jesus says, the humble will be exalted and the proud will be made low. Self-sufficiency can also lead to us becoming lukewarm believers. You know that kind I was talking about before where they jump the fence, where they're in and out of Christianity, or they're kind of mushy about their faith, I could say? Well, in the uh, later to see a church spoke of in Revelation 3.17, uh, they, uh, Jesus spoke about not wanting to forget our first love or to be half-hearted in faith. But he also said something else, and I do not want this. I don't want to be spewed out of the mouth of God. I don't want to be spewed out of the mouth of God. I want to be all in. I want to be all his. Oh, and I want to be fully committed to him. Sweet ladies, please desire the things that are unseen eternal things, the riches in heaven. We find our contentment in Christ alone. And speaking about riches in heaven, one of my favorite verses, I had to memorize this as a young woman. Um, it was Matthew, it's in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So there is contentment in building up your treasures in heaven. And how do we do that? We do that by being God-fearing, loving, gospel-sharing women. Women who overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. And we all know what those are, right? Love and joy, peace and patience, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, kindness. And the one I sometimes have trouble with is self-control. Are you beginning to see how contentment can overflow in you when you strive to be such a woman? And you know, there is one other thing that um, stops us from being content, and that's our own sin. Proverbs 26.6 states, An evil man is snared by his own sin, but a righteous man can sing and be glad. When we confess our sins and repent, You know what? God not only forgives our sins, but you know what else he does? He forgets them. They're gone. They're gone forever, and they come to his remembrance no more. Hallelujah. What a promise. Say amen, girls. That's a promise. God takes our sins, and they're gone forever. And you know what? We're called to that same forgiveness. We are called to that same forgiveness. Once the sin we confess and repent of is gone, once we forgive those who sin against us, oh boy, what does that do? When we confess and then we forgive others, how does that make us feel? Oh boy, (laughs) that leaves us full of grace and joy. And you know what? That's where we can find contentment too. I just love that. And there's another promise in Psalm 19:13 that says, "Keep your servant from presumptuous sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgressions." In this God promises to forgive even those sins we forget we you know commit unintentionally or unknowingly. Wow, what a God we have. Not only does he forgive the, the sins that we confess to him, not only does he help us forgive others the sins they committed against us, not only does he throw them away, never to be seen or heard from again, but you know what? Sometimes we might do something and not even realize we're doing it, and it's a sin. And as a Christian, he forgives us anyway. It doesn't matter. His grace is so abounding. His grace is just so much more than we could ever know. And you know, we learn daily. We learn from the time we become born again until the time we die. It's a constant process that we're going through. And as an older person, there were times in my life when I thought I knew it all or I was at the end of my journey. Well, guess what? Ladies, it goes on and on and on and on. And I'm grateful for that. I am so glad that God is willing to teach someone with snow or gray hair on their heads, whether they die it or not. <laughs> In the Genesis story, we read about Joseph. My goodness, did Joseph have a lot of faith and trust in God? All the things that happened to him. And he was content in all his circumstances. 
despite where God took him or despite where he ended up. He was unjustly accused. He was put in jail. He was forgotten. And he was even hated by his own brothers. He was thrown down a well. He was sold as a slave. But he did trust in the goodness of God, despite his situations. And you know what? He forgave his brothers when they, they first came to him a couple of times. And in his heart, he knew who they were. And he forgave them before they even knew who he was, before they even asked for that forgiveness. Joseph was willing and able, because of his faith in God, to forgive. I want to... Um, steal a couple things from, um, I don't know if you guys were here on Sunday, but uh, Rob Verdine was here. And he spoke about a couple of things. And he said, um, suffering is fertile soil for the soul. I certainly see that in the Joseph story. And God makes us compassionate when the whole, with, I'm sorry, God makes us compassionate through the whole realm of suffering. Through the whole realm of suffering, God makes us compassionate. Forgiveness is another key to contentment. If an evil man is snared by his own sin, but a righteous man can sing and be glad, isn't that righteous man then content? And isn't that where each one of us ladies would like to be? There's another thing that snags us to be, uh, you know, a deterrent, rather, to be content, and that's entitlement. And entitlement's another deterrent to uh, being in a contented state of mind. And I speak about our minds because, you know what, ladies, our hearts and our minds are kind of in step with one another. So when our minds start going where they shouldn't go, that's when then our hearts can start to become a little hard or a little envious or a little entitled or a little self-righteous. So that's when we need to ask God to take control of our mind, to take captive all those thoughts and to lead us back into the things that he wants us to know. In Matthew 23, Jesus warns about people with minds and hearts that think they're better than others. The religious leaders, the religious le- leaders of those days, sometimes my thoughts get ahead of my voice, sorry. <laughs> In Matthew 23, the religious leaders of those days were people that Jesus wanted to warn all the Jews about. In verse 4, he says, They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to even lift a little finger to move them. Jesus tells us that he is the only master. He is the only God. We need to be there showing compassion on one another. No one of us is better than the other of us. Remember, Jesus lifts the humble and those that are poor in spirit. And he wants us to do the very same thing. He was our example. The things that he taught us, when we follow them, lead us to contentment. And he also spoke about something else that a lot of people don't want to hear or think about or talk about. But 
you know, he can give us contentment through our giving. So he speaks about how tithing, about tithing and how important it is. But when we tithe and then we refuse to give any of our time or our energy or our effort or our love to help a sister or another family, then we're still being unfaithful despite that tithe. Despite the tithe, ladies, we ought to remember the important matters of the law. Micah 6.8 tells us, And what does God require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. You know what? We're not entitled to anything but death. I'm a sinner, and I was going to hell. But God, but God, I am saved. Christ went to the cross for me. He shed his blood for me. And you know what? He did it for every single one of you. We are all members of his family. And it's a gift. It's not an entitlement. It's not anything that we could earn. It's not anything that we're entitled to. It's a gift from God. It's from his gracious, gracious love. You know, there are lots of many other things that lead to contentment too. I know probably some of you have felt this fear when life is out of control. And we're in fear instead of trusting that our God is in control. Despair. The loss that floods us and we lose heart and we lose hope and it clouds our view of God's purposes for us. And then there's disappointment when we put our trust in someone and they fail us. And then also all the stress and pressures of just living this life when we try to deal with it in our own strength. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him the joy, ladies, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our intercessor. Call to him in times of discontentment. And verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. That's us. So that you, that we, will not grow weary and we will not lose heart. You know, gals, there have many times in my life where I've been discontented. There were years when I tried to do it all on my own. And times when I felt I deserved more, better. (laughs) Why is this happening to me? (laughs) After all, I'm a good person. I slowly learned that those times were times of my sin. You know, when we don't believe and we don't trust, when we're discontent, that's my sin. That's our sin in the moment. And, you know, I'm going to admit to you gals, because I know you're all my friends and I know I trust you. I sinned. I committed adultery. I stole from my employer. (laughs) 
and I've drank so much, way in the past, ladies, that I passed out. It was not a good feeling. I don't even remember what happened. So that's not good. I'm a sinner. (laughs) And besides those, I've had a lot of trials too. I lost two husbands, both to cancer. And when I lost my first husband, I had to tell my son in elementary school and my son in junior high and my son in senior high when they got off the bus and came home that day that their dad had just died. I have a prodigal son. I lost a preborn baby. I was eight months pregnant. I've been down to my last dime and I've bounced checks. I lost my only sibling when he was only 39, and that was just six months before my first husband died of cancer. (laughs) And then I lost my mom that same year. So I was a single mom, lost both my parents. You could consider me an orphan. I had many stressful, stressed out times, times that were out of control to be sure. I've been careless. I've been carless. I've been penniless. I've been sexually abused as a young girl, as a child. I was left by my daddy. I was abused by my stepfather. And I was misunderstood by my mom. How to find contentment in those kind of trials? But God, contentment comes from the blessings of disappointment. The word promises he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. God is our strong tower, ladies. Just run to him. He's your rock. He's your cover. He's your savior. He's your Abba. He's your husband. That took me a while to learn. But you know, we're the bride of Christ. We're the church. And he is the bridegroom. And you know what? He's my daddy and he's your daddy. I had to fight very hard sometimes to continue on in faith. And we're told in scripture to pray hard, but to work hard too. That's the Christian life. No one promised us a rose garden, right? It's not an easy life, but you know what? It's a life filled with the love and the generosity and the graciousness of God. God was with me. He held me up. He walked with me and carried me at times. And you know what? There were times when I didn't even know he was there. I couldn't even feel him. But when I look back, I know. I could not be here today if he wasn't with me. He's always with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. And he's with you guys too. And you know what? He's preparing a place for you right now. A heavenly home. Oh my gosh, those mansions in heaven. I can't wait to get there. The roads paved with gold. Gold is the concrete of the roads. Imagine. I can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. But you know what? Believe it, ladies, believe it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. They go hand in hand. Godliness produces contentment. And we learn to be godlier, more holy, as we are being sanctified daily. Daily by God's provision, by his word, by his Holy Spirit, and by his grace. Contentment 
is a learned trait. We learn through trials. We learn through triumphs. I find my contentment by staying close to God, by praying, by crying out to him, by believing in him, by reading the word, by trusting him. And you know what? Through fellowship. Oh, what would I do without my sisters in Christ? (laughs) Trust in other godly, trustworthy people. Ask God to develop discernment in you and develop those trustworthy friendships. Fellowship with other believers in the body. I can't even tell you how that has kept me on track so often. So very often, pastors, their wives, the counselors, the women who disciple, the women who have just run so many studies and Bible studies and programs in this church and women that I've gone to one-on-one, they've helped me in areas of finance where I've struggled a lot. Feelings of guilt and shame, that was a tough one. But I learned to be content by giving over all my sins and those who transgressed against me, those who transgressed against me all over to my God. So he took them far, far away, and I would never, ever have to be concerned with them again. And ladies, there are many good counselors in this church. So if you need someone to just pour your heart out to or to learn how to walk closer with God, just ask. They're here. Romans 8, 37 to to 39 promises. No. No. In all these things, we are more, more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. For I am convinced, I'm convinced, just like Paul, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us, will be able to separate me, will be able to separate you, nothing, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know what? Usually it's our own expectations that keep us from being content. Isn't that funny? (laughs) And and until we reach heaven, gals, guess what? This contentment's going to be right by our side. We have the Lord with us, but it's always going to be a part of our lives. But we can draw on Christ and his promises, and that's where we need to be. Brush that discontentment away. Draw on Christ. Believe in his promises. We as Christians are constantly being sanctified by the word, by the pleading of the blood, by fellowship, through prayer, and through worship. We're constantly and hopefully learning through our life experiences. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, chapter 4, 10 through 13, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. (laughs) For I have learned says Paul, for I have learned to be content, 
whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then here's the kicker. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In those times when we have plenty and are well-fed, we're happy. We're happy in our singleness. We're happy in our marriages. We're happy with our kids. We're happy with our parents. We're happy with our work. We're happy in our ministry, whatever it is. Those happy times, those glad times, those contented times, those are the times we should be singing our praises to God, being so grateful. And that's when we're learning to be content. So when those tough times hit, when those trials, those tribulations come upon us, (laughs) and believe me, they will. I'm sure we all know that. We can then choose to be content by remembering Remembering those joyful, contented times. That's when we build up our faith and our trust in God. And then we can have those contented times again. And you know what? Sometimes we have those things that we wish we had again, and we want to have again, and we desire to have again. Well, sometimes we're not going to get them this side of heaven. But, you know, be sure to know that heaven's coming, and we will have those great times. So this is the strength. This is the strength that God promises when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's our strength. Job 36, 11. That's a tough, uh, you know, book, Job. There's a lot going on in there and it's hard to read, but something I picked out of there says, if they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. Ladies, when we feel discouraged or discontent, those are the times we need to remember God's faithfulness. The times he helps us up and walks us through. The times of his protection and the times of his covering. Those are the times I think that hopefully, if you don't have them, I'm going to give you a, a really good thing to do right now. Go home or go to Walmart, buy a book, Start a journal. Start a praise journal. Start a remembrance journal. Stones of remembrance. Write down the little things that God does every single day. The big things that God does for you. Then when those tough times hit, have that blessing, that praise book somewhere handy. And you can go back, read the date, see when he answered your prayer. See when he was faithful. And then you know that he's going to be faithful again. His faithfulness never ends. His faithfulness is from lasting, everlasting to everlasting. His mercies are new every single morning. God's our strength. He's our deliverer. He's our husband. He's our father. He's our brother and he's our Lord and our king. He's placed us in his family. We're not orphans. We're sisters together. And we need to be there for one another whether it's good times or bad times, whether it's tough times, hard times, happy times, sad times, ugly times. We all have had them, ladies. That's the time that threatens to take away our contentment. I'll remind you the times of fear, the times of envy, the times of enlightenment, when we're stressed out, when we feel self-sufficient, when we feel we can do it all. 
And then the times when we're discouraged, the times of despair, and especially those times of sin. Those are the times that we need to trust in the Lord. And then we need to ask a trusted sister. We need to lean on someone. You know, um, someone some years back told, to, told me that it's great to pray to God in your prayer closet, but sometimes you need to get out and find God with skin on. That's a sister in the Lord. That's God with skin on. Yes, yes. So ask for prayer. Be specific if you can. Ask, pray for yourself. Pray for others. And ask for prayer from that trusted sister. Read the word every day. Every day, ladies, even if it's just one scripture. And you know what I love to read every day? Don't mean to pick on her, but I love to read Wisdom for Women, Debbie Bryson. And she's got, if you don't have one, get it, gals, because it's good year in and year out. And you know what? Every day it hits me that it's my situation, and I just love it. And sometimes I paste a little extra thing that she says at the bottom, and I cut it out, and I paste it on my mirror, and then I buy another book, so I have it whole again. (laughs) But you know what? Read the word, seek his face. And in that very moment, you can celebrate that Jesus died for you. But... God. Proverbs 27.9 says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet perfume and incense. But God. And you women of faith continue to fight the good fight. I know you gals. I know you pursue righteousness. Continue to fight. Continue to pursue godliness. Continue to pursue your faith. Love, endure, be gentle, be good. Be good to yourself, be good to one another. Put your hope in God who supplies all your needs. The God who died on the cross so that you could live. And you can have a good life. God promises, even though we have trials and troubles, we have a good life. We have a good life in him. We have contentment in him. And we're going to heaven. What could be better? Uh, 2 Corinthians 12.10. God gave me this last night, so the gals on Monday night didn't hear this, but for the sake of Christ, then I am content. I'm content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships and persecution. I'm content with calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I am woman. Hear me roar. <laughs> you know what? I'm roaring because God <clears throat> is the lion of Judah and he roars. <clears throat> First Timothy 6. 18 through 19 commands us. <coughs> Sorry. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. 
so that they may lay hold of eternal life. And then this takes us right back to verse 6, our verse for today. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. We're going to have a time of reflection now. I'm going to invite Kaya back up. And we're going to have a time for prayer and for worship. And uh, some of the facilitators are going to line up on the walls, both of these, and they'll be there to pray with you. If you want to just meditate or pray in your seats, that's perfectly fine. This is your time to be with the Lord, to um, think about the words that I spoke that were from him. Think about how you can be content and how you can take away that discontentment that's in your lives. So this is your time. So I just pray that you will reflect and worship. And I just want to end with a quick word of prayer too. Uh, Precious Lord, precious God, we are so grateful for you and so grateful for your loving kindness, for your everlasting forgiveness, for your generosity, for your grace. We thank you that um, you have made us women. We are women who desire to be content, and we desire to find that contentment in you. So help us to grow in that area of our lives, Lord, and help us to continue to um, be women, your women, women of God. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We love you that you died on the cross for us. We are so grateful. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.